Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff. Hello again, everybody. Welcome back. Standing for the show episode guys are doing good. Hope you guys are living life and loving life. Boy, um, you know, the weather's changing here in the state of Georgia. We're finally getting some cold, uh, damp weather today. It was very cold and rainy and kind of gross and nasty. Not my cup of tea, but hey, if you like it, um, more power to you. That's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, no, I'm, I am excited about uh, the uh, changing of the seasons, even though I am more of a warm-bodied person. It is nice to... Uh, break out some of the jackets and, you know, feel more appropriate to wear uh, jeans and that sort of thing all the time. But it's good. I'm excited for it. And for all you cold, uh, for all you warm bloods out there, I know that you are I'm looking forward to that. I know that Joe is as well. But I'm flying solo again today for the Friday episodes. Thank you guys so much for clicking on the podcast. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Um, if you like what you hear, you can you can contribute five bucks a month to get early access to the shows on patreon you can also check out our cool t-shirts on the teespring store and you can follow myself at jstandridge underscore on twitter and you can follow joe at joe stanberg so check that out you can also send us an email the standing brother show at gmail.com is the best way to get a hold of us if you have any comments concerns you want your thoughts read on the air let us know so i got a couple things i kind of want to talk to you guys about um a lot of baseball stuff, but not really baseball stuff that you're going to think about. Um, and then I got one little thing I want to touch on with the uh, with the jab and with the uh, the COVID miracle, if you will. But so for those of you who've been catching up or have been watching the World Series this year, um, <laughs> uh, I have had to humble myself greatly over, over this postseason because all of my predictions have been completely wrong, which is okay because... Uh, the outcome of this World Series and of this playoffs have have been, let's just say, unpredictable. <laughs> I know that's a that's a word that people throw around a lot, but it, it really was true in this sense. The fact that the Astros, some, a lot of people had making the World Series, but the Atlanta Braves, I don't think I saw any brackets posted where they had the Atlanta Braves moving on to the um, World Series. What uh, I said, um, I said back when the when I was looking like the Red Sox or the Astros were going to make the World Series, I said, I well, in good conscience as being a New York Yankees fan, yes, you can go ahead and write your hate mail now about that. I don't care. I've heard it all. That I can know, I cannot have an American League team. I can't have either, either one of these teams end up winning uh, the uh, World Series. So we're going to go for Atlanta. Even though I'm not a Braves fan, uh, I would much rather see Atlanta win one because, you know, They've they've waited long enough for their championship uh, moment. This is the first time they've been in the playoffs since '99, which we all know how that one ended up. <laughs> um, us uh, Yankees fans know that one very very well. But there's some controversy going on with the uh, with the Atlanta Braves, and it, it's not for it's for it's for men. This is an article that I thought was honestly fake. Until I, until I read through it and actually saw that it was a real article, 
And it's about the Atlanta Braves, about the World Series, and um, you know how we can't have anything fun anymore. We can't have anything paying homage to the um, to native cultures. We can't do anything like that. Um, if it mentions anything, and if in, if it um, demonstrates or anything like that uh, towards native, towards native cultures, it's, it's automatically deemed bad. And I I want to I want to make that very very clear. Uh, the use of caricatures, the use of names, the use of gestures, or um, of anything native, is automatically deemed bad and offensive, which I think is kind of stupid and kind of dumb because we don't use that for anything else. We definitely don't use that for the New York Yankees, which the Yankees is is a term used for for some Northerners. We don't automatically deem that to be a derogatory thing against. Northern people, but whenever we have a team like the Cleveland Indians, well, they're it's an Indian, so that's that's clearly offensive. You're clearly just belittling them to a team name, which funny. I'll, I'll link this down below. You can read the article, but the Cleveland Indians are actually kind of in trouble right now because there's a roller derby team in Cleveland called the Cleveland Guardians, and they're suing the uh, Indians. Because they can't, so they can't uh, change their name. And I'm like, this is Chief Wahoo's revenge. He's like, you can't take me away forever. Which I do find funny. And uh, keep in mind, though, I have written a lot of things on Twitter about this. And then the Braves, I wrote a, a, a tweet about this, a very short one. And uh, I gave my thoughts on the whole uh, Braves thing we're going to talk about. And I changed my profile picture to a picture of Ricky Vaughn from major league because i'm dressing up as him for halloween so uh, it's kind of funny you see um charlie sheen wearing a chief wahoo hat um talking about the uh, uh, the atlanta brave situation but so what's going on right now in atlanta is there was an article written and this comes on the heels of the controversy of the braves tomahawk chop which, if those of you who have never been to an Atlanta Braves game or um, don't know what I'm talking about, uh, there's a thing that they do where if you've seen Florida State football, the um, Seminoles, they do the sim, they do the exact same chop, exact same uh, theme song, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs do something similar as well. I'm not 100% sure. Don't quote me on that, but uh, they have a thing where they where they hold their arms at at a, at a 90 degree angle and they 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 chop their hands forward. And it's this big rallying thing, and it's a way to kind of get the crowd up, and it's it's sort of their chant, if you will. This has been going on for as long as I've been going to Atlanta Braves baseball games, which has been, well, I moved to Atlanta in 2008-ish, so about 2000, 2009. So I've, I've experienced many of these things. never been a Braves fan. I will tell you, though, uh, whenever you're a visitor – and you go play in a, an important Atlanta game, and they get that thing going, and the song and everything. It's intimidating. I don't know, maybe it's that or not. Uh, maybe they don't want to take it away because of the intimidation factor. But it, it, it's an intimidating thing to see an entire crowd. It's similar. I'll put it in parallel with the Gators' little chomp that they do. Um, that when when you get an entire crowd doing a single motion like that, um, it, it can be it can be definitely be intimidating for an opposing. A player, I know good and well that if I'm on the mound and I got bases loaded, nobody out, 
game on the line and they start doing that, it's going to throw me off. It's very hard. So it's an effective way to do that, and it's signature to the Atlanta Braves. And like I said, the Florida Seminoles do the same thing as well. So uh, Manford, Rob Manford, who's, who's the commissioner of baseball, um, said that uh, – here's the headline. It says, Braves tomahawk chop gesture, a matter for Atlanta's Native American community. Commissioner Rob Manford says Rob Manford is deferring to the Native American community in and around Atlanta on whether the appropriate um, or whether it's appropriate for the Atlanta Braves to be encouraged the tomahawk chop when gestured in the World Series that is there for game three, four and five tonight. Um, game three is on tonight. I actually started a few minutes ago, but I, I will say this. Um, I went to two Atlanta Braves, no, three, no, three Braves games this year. Went to a Padres game over the summer, and then I went to two Yankees-Braves games in August. And typically, years before that, they were pretty pronounced whenever they would start the chops. Now, not really. Uh, I will notice that just from the experience of when they used to play at Turner Field to when they play now in Truist Park. A little bit different. So, I don't know if the Braves are trying to slowly phase this out. Uh, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. But I do find it funny that I guess now it's a big deal. And there was a joke I said that this is the uh, the city that they did not want to play uh, the World Series in because of, well, they took the All-Star game away over the summer because of the a voting rights thing that had nothing to do with the Atlanta Braves, nothing to do with, with, with the city of Atlanta, or nothing to do with Cobb County, which is where the Braves play, nothing to do with, with the team itself. So they got punished because of what... Um, the uh, governor's office did for the state. So you're going to punish an entire city and punish an entire state for actions that were completely out of their hands. Cool. That's awesome. But all the local businesses in that area were really happy about that. But now you're going to play a World Series, which is infinitely more important to the sport of baseball and to viewership than the All-Star game. And now they're worried about, well, are we going to offend anybody because... They're going to see people doing a chopping gesture on TV because now it's going to be televised on Fox or whatever, and this is going to be a big controversy now. Are we going to be questioning on whether this is appropriate or not? It says here, it's important to understand we have 30 markets across the country, Manfred said, before game one between the Astros and Braves on Tuesday evening. They are not all the same. The Braves have done a phenomenal job with the Native American community. Manfred said the Native American community in Atlanta region is wholly supportive of the Braves program, including the chop. For me, that's the end of the story. And on this, look, I'm going to say on one thing. This is the one of the few things that I'm going to agree with Manfred on. I think that this is what... Uh, let me get into the article about further, and then I'll give my my final thoughts on it. It goes in here to say that the the the, the Cleveland Indians have changed the name to the Guardians. As I said, we'll see about that. Um, so this is the article that came out today that I wanted to mention. It says World Series 2021. It's past time for the Atlanta Braves to move on from the chop. Maybe get rid of the tomahawk on the jersey. Maybe get rid of uh, the name Braves because you know. But, it, but it's the chop, right? <laughs> it's the chop. That's the bad one. It goes on to say that um, each of the next three days, a baseball stadium with, with dim will, will, will dim its lights. Thousands of people illuminate the flashlights on their phones, and they will, do, they will engage in a 
wildly ahistorical, fundamentally problematic, and over and altogether unnecessary ritual. The tomahawk chop rubber stamped earlier this week by Commissioner of Baseball will be we broadcast on screens across the United States and around the world, and it'll be serve as a reminder that for all the progress in progress made in eradicating unnecessary American Indian symbolism, it remains d- deeply embedded in sports. And my question in the beginning was that you you may say it's unnecessary, but is any symbolism bad? Like there's that's that, that's what we're slowly coming to. It's just going to be Atlanta baseball team. Is that is does that offend anybody? And it and my other question I was going to say about this and the whole thing this entire this entire article goes into more just completely rubbish. I, I've read through the entire thing and I someone someone sat down to write this whole thing. I'll link it down below if you want to. If not, you can uh, you're you're not going to find anything amazing in here. It says goes on to say the most frustrating thing about the chop is how easy it would be to stop. It would it would be a small gesture. It wouldn't fix any of the generational problems that affected American Indians. Okay, but well, okay, then that's my point. By stop, you're not going to fix any of the problems of the past. I think that's what what these many of these people try to do when it comes to um, racist um, symbols like Aunt Jemima or um, like Uncle Ben's Ready Rice or whatever. Or we deal with the Cleveland Indians. We deal with the the Washington Redskins. Is that well? It's not going to change the fact, but they they think in one small part that this action is going to somehow rewrite the past and we won't have to um, – this will make life easier for people who have uh, lived through the struggle. And I, I'm look, I'm going to go ahead and say that the treatment of the Native American people whenever the um, – under the U.S. government – you can just I'm gonna I'm gonna stop right there. But of uh, the people that came over and the, and the uh, colonists, who not all of the history, if you go back into it, not all of it was violent, not all of it was bad. There was many moments where they bought land, they traded, that sort of thing did happen. But overall, it was a very negative experience for the Native American people. Most of it was done by the federal government. So another reason to hate the federal government right then and there is because of the treatment. There's nothing 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 to do with with the color of people's skin and had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the, the power of the federal government it had to do with the, the evil men who occupied those, those halls and who had the power to do that. So again, another white pill, if you want to be against the federal government or any kind of government for that matter, the treatment wouldn't have happened in the way it happened. If it wouldn't have been for the federal government trailer tears wouldn't have happened. It says, but it would, to plenty, return at least a monicum of dignity to a people that have already been taken so much away from them. <sighs> when that eventually happens, we know the journey the, the, that the Braves fans will undertake because we've seen it before. First denial and anger, they'll bargain, they'll feel depressed, and eventually they'll accept it because fans don't go to games just to chop. They go to watch the team they love, chop or no chop. And anyone who loves chopping more than Ronald Acuna Jr., Freddie Freeman, and Ozzy Osby's clearly has bad taste anyways. So good job just insulting the entire Atlanta Braves fan base. Like, just great job there. 
Look, bro, no one goes to the games because they're gonna chop. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't know who this would be. The, this would be the exact same thing as saying, as if they, they, they wanted to get rid of, of the, the sir roll call, the um, 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 roll call. Those of you who don't know, in Yankees tradition, for the last, I don't know, thirty or forty years, whatever. The bleacher creatures, which are the people in the right field bleachers, do a roll call where they where they they chant every person's name on the field, and then they will keep chanting until they get acknowledgement from the players. I don't go to a Yankees game for for the roll call. The Yankees roll call does not make my experience. It doesn't make my experience exponentially better, but it is a part of the experience. It is a part of the tradition of going. If it were to be gone one day, yeah, that would probably that would, would not it would not be as much fun. I'll fully admit that. But I would I stop going to games if I if they stopped it? No, of course not. But if someone were to sit there and, and insult my intelligence and say, well. You go for the roll call and not to go watch Aaron Judge or Garrett Colt pitch, and you got bad taste. It's the way, and he sits there and says, well, you know, first they'll deny it and they'll be angry, and then they'll bargain, and then they'll feel depressed. Like you've just, like you're painting this picture of that the only reason why these people go is because of a, uh, because of, of, of a silly gesture. And that's clearly not what people go to baseball games for. They don't do that kind of stuff. But I think the biggest thing here that this that this bro is missing, and the biggest thing that I've had the uh, that I've struggled with the most is that who is who is asking for this? Because if you had leaders in Native American tribes who were deeply offended by this and said, "Please, could you just stop this?" Then I could understand. Then I would sit down and be like, okay, I understand that this is a part of your culture. Why does this offend you? And what can we do to maybe, due to the past, what can we do to leaven this? I understand that. I get that. The reason why the Florida Seminoles, remember, no one's got an issue with, with the Florida Seminoles because they have the blessing of the Florida Seminole tribes in that area. And they've they've been okay with it for the longest time. But now because the Atlanta Braves all of a sudden don't have some kind of blessing or don't have some kind of official blessing from a, a native tribe, now it's an issue. So, and this is, this is the thing that happened with the Redskins. I remember there was poll after poll of Native Americans from all across the country. And most of them didn't give a crap. And I feel that's how, that's how most of them are. There's, there's 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 a difference between between straight up r- racist and distasteful the caricatures. We're not talking. They're not they're not walking in there with red paint to look like the the skin color Native Americans. That I would probably be like mm, probably in poor taste. If you tried to do like a blackface thing, but for Native Americans, I probably would. <laughs> we're not talking about that. We're talking about the simple action. Of looking like you have a tomahawk in your hand and you were chopping forward. So, uh, is, is this is this dude speaking on behalf of Native Americans in this regard? Because that's because that's what I think it is. Because I haven't, 
it, I may be completely ignorant to this one. Completely ignorant to this one. But I haven't really seen anybody come out and say, well, this just deeply offends my tribe, or this deeply offends my uh, leaders or my or my elders in the tribe, and they, they they wish to be stopped. No, this is some dude who's as white as can be coming out here writing this. That that's what I have. Maybe the the larger issue is that somehow that he's trying to be. I know there's a stereotype about you know these are white saviors, you know, but I I, I just. What does this fix? What does stopping the chop fix? Because if no one's complaining about it, then there's there's no issue. If no one's raising the issue, who are who claimed this supposed to be that this is supposed to be um, mocking or supposed to be some kind of unnecessary symbolism towards the towards the the, the native people? If no one's offended by it and no one's raising the issue, then then there is no issue. Just because you might feel guilty about it. Remember, you're not Native American, so I thought that you're not allowed to speak on this issue. You know, it's like how white people are, are, not, are, not, are not allowed to speak on issues of any other race. We're not allowed to, to you know, talk about that unless it's bad. Then we're allowed to voice our opinion because then it agrees with, 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 with whatever narrative that's present. I, I, I would just like to know what this is going to solve. If no one's complaining, then there's no feelings to heal. There's nothing to help. And I think that Rob Manfred did the right thing. He's going to defer to the, to the tribes in the, in the native area where this can be most effective or where they'll be most affected. I think, that, I think that's the right thing to do. That's what the Florida Seminoles have done, and they have long had the blessing of the tribe. Which I think is funny because... By their logic, the mere mentioning or the mere display of Native American symbolism, whether it be through a gesture or through an actual um, logo, is automatically deemed bad. Automatically. There could be no good that, 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 that comes from that whatsoever. But if a tribe gives their blessing, then obviously they don't care. Or obviously they say they want you to do this. So that kind of defeats the whole perp, the whole logic behind their statement and behind their reasoning. They always come from this this default position that that caricature is automatically bad. Representation is automatically bad in those senses, like the Aunt Jemima situation. We went over that. But the the the, the mere fact that that you had a happy black lady on a bottle of syrup and pancake mix was automatically bad. Automatically bad. No good can come from it. Not at all. It just needs to be plain logo, nothing on it. If Again, if no one is complaining about this and no one's hurt by this, then there's no issue. There's nothing to solve. That's right. That's what I want to know. Now, if there are... Native American people who live in the Atlanta area who are profoundly disrupted by this, then I'll hear them out. Because then there's an issue. Because then there's an issue about it. But just because some person on ESPN is deeply offended by this, that he feels he needs to write a very lengthy article about how, how 
awful it is. How awful it is that they that they, they move their arms back and forth in unison. Oh, it's the worst. Can't believe it. The audacity of a majority white stadium to do that. You know, the the when every single time that a Braves fan does that, they're just like, oh, I just hate, I hate the red people. I wish that they would just go live in their reservations. Oh, no, they don't. Most people are sympathetic to Native Americans. If you go around this country, most people do. Most people have a very high affinity for them. Respect them. Think what happened to them was terrible. That's not, that's, I, don't, I don't know what America that you're living in. But the most people that I know who, who differ from me politically vastly and even socially differ from me, on, on social issues differ from me vastly, both agree the treatment of them was, un, was, was inhumane, horrible, and unforgivable. But would still agree with me on what I'm saying right now. So I think the only people that are really complaining about this are the are the self the self-hating white liberals. I hate to keep saying it, but that's that that's who keeps writing these kind of articles. If this keep keeps bringing up this issue, if you notice the Jan Jemima issue, most black people didn't even care. A lot of people just did, just don't just it's not an issue for them. There's bigger issues to 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 address and, and to spend time and energy on. Than the Atlanta Braves chop. So I mean I'm gonna watch the game tonight, parts of it, and we'll see what happens with the with the whole chop. I just I just think I think what a silly hill to die on, honestly. It says, come on guys, it's 2020. Let's find something else. Find something else to move on to. I I, I just baffling. If you have any um if you have any th- thoughts on this just please let me know please just uh shoot me an email and maybe maybe we can talk about it because this is where i'm at with it um you know at this point i think that you can find anything for anyone to be offended by and if the mere um the mere caricature or uh represent or symbolism of any sort of culture is on display then i think it needs to be banned because someone could obviously be offended by it that's what he's saying right here. The, the mere mentioning of a culture by a team and a sports chant by an audience is automatically bad. So what are they going to do whenever they say, oh, well, there's no Native American representation in sports? Well, you took it all out. <laughs> Not allowed to have anything like that. Not at all. You know, talking about banning the Texas Rangers because the Texas Rangers are a police force. I'm no fan of the police, but I don't want to change the Rangers' name. I think the police do a lot of bad things in this country, especially especially on the especially some of the issues that happen at the border. I don't think, but I don't want to change the name of that. Like, you can make the argument of, well, you know, a stingray killed Steve Irwin, and Steve Irwin was beloved. Got to change the name of the race. No, so no one talks like that. It only seems it comes up whenever it deals with Native American. It's the, it's the only issue when it comes to sports that we had this big conversation about. Chiefs aren't changing their name anytime soon. The Cleveland Indians bent their knee. They're always the Cleveland Indians to me. Washington's already done it. 
I knew they were coming for the. I knew that they were coming for the Atlanta Braves next. It was only a matter of time. I just didn't think it'd be the chop. I thought it was going to be the actual name and the maybe the tomahawk logo because, God forbid, we display a Native American weapon as a as a battle cry for a sports team. That that's just so offensive and insensitive. How could you? Let me know your let me know your thoughts. I already did kind of mention the uh, Cleveland Indian roller roller derby thing. Um, this is not going to be a really long episode. I do have one more thing I kind of want to talk about before I wrap this episode up. Um, actually, I got two more things. I got a little, I'm trying to do these little white pills, the little white pill moment on the show, but I will uh, get to that at the very end. Next thing I want to talk about was, um, got a little article for you here. This comes from the Wall Street Journal, which I am not signed into. That's so well prepared of me, Jacob. Anyways, let me, uh, <laughs> great job, Jacob. So I'm not gonna be able to read the article, but I can kind of give you the idea of what the article is about because it tells you everything you need to know in the beginning. It says FDA authorizes Pfizer slash BioNTech COVID vaccine for young children. The first inoculation is cleared for the in, in the U.S. for children as young as five. Now we've we've been over many times on the show about the the jab and the virus and the Modillo virus. We've been over this many many times, and I've read 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 the stats, which have not changed. Maybe they've just increased as far as deaths and cases since then but as far as as far as the numbers go and the percentages those should not have changed very very much you can go back and, and look in an older episode when i talk about the overall risks of of people in certain demographics when it comes to other um causes of death i said that if you were under the age of four basically you had a better chance of drowning in a pool than dying of this virus and there's not very many pools um, in the Midwest and in the North, so you're pretty safe if you're if you're very very young. Uh, I think you have like a one in like a million chance of actually having any sort of complications, any sort of death if you're extremely young. But now we can start inoculating five year olds because that's what we should be doing right now for a virus that if you're under the age of twenty has almost like a one in one million chance of dying from. You need to be vaccinated because you know there's you could hit that million, but we don't know the all the long term risks of this thing because we've only have a year's worth of data, not even a year's worth of data on this. The vaccines got approved last November, so we have less than a year of data on this. Nice, really, really great. So now you can feel good about you know. Well, my parents have been vaccinated. And I'm scared, scared of my kid who might give it to me. Well. We already know the vaccine does not prevent transmission. They've had to come out and admit that. I've already just talked about it at great lengths about that. But now you can give your kids an experimental vaccine. Very nice. Very awesome. The COVID, vi- the COVID vaccine has been authorized for the use of children as young as five. Which basically what they've done is that they've just given a lower dose of this and they've just tested it on kids. Which, I mean... I guess it's effective because uh, I how I don't know. I have to look way deeper into this than I did for the show. But how long did they honestly look into this thing? Because if we've only had a year, less than a year's worth of data total about people getting this thing 
uh, mass inoculation. And I can't even imagine what what the kids' date has been. It's been even less than that. It has to be even less than that. Um, yeah, it's just, folks, they're, they're, they're coming after your kids. This is honestly what it's going to be. Now that they've gotten it for as low as five years old, they're going to say, well, you know, your first grader wants to go to first grade. You got to get the jab. Got to get vaccinated. And as far as the safety concerns of this thing, you know, one of the one of the FDA doctors on the on the panel of the FDA, which whenever they do, whenever they approve anything, they have to do like this panel vote where they have many different um, doctors on the um, on the panel, and they all vote, and it's a majority, which democracy, tight. Uh, doctor Rubin, he was a doctor on the um, bench or the panel, or whatever. They voted um seventeen o to endorse the COVID vaccine for kids five to eleven. So basically. As, as as young as five. Here's what this line ball had to say. He said, "Quote: We're never gonna learn how safe the vaccine is until we start giving it. That's the way it goes." Boy, isn't that comforting? Isn't it comforting to know that it's it's approved? And the fact that if I were to say what I'm saying right now on YouTube would get me automatically banned. Spotify's been good about this. But if the, the, the past things that I have just said, which are undoubtedly true, that we don't know the long-term safety of this, then we don't know, um, we don't have a lot of a lot of long-standing data on this as we do on other vaccines. The fact that now it's approved, all of these big tech companies, YouTube, Google, uh, that's the same company, but these big companies, Facebook, Twitter, these sort of places are going to start banning people for saying that hey, you shouldn't get your kid vaccinated. Oh, oh, hey, it's probably not safe. You should wait for, for more information. That kind of thing will get you banned and will get your post taken down. But now I have a doctor out here who's saying, we're never going to learn how safe the vaccine is until we start giving it. And apply that to anything else. And apply that to anything else. Apply that to any pharmaceutical drug. Well, we don't know how safe this oxycodone is, but we get, and, until we start giving it to people, that's just the way it goes. Hey, we don't know how safe this new food this new food additive is to our food, but we'll just start. We 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 won't know how safe it is until we start giving it to people. No, no one operates on that. That's not how this works. You don't just get to say, "Well, we'll look at the data a few a few years from now, and then we'll determine how safe it was." Whenever me and Joe said long time ago that this is that ever since November 2020, if you've gotten this thing, you have been a part of the phase three trials. Bingo. Checkmate atheists. We, we, we got it. Ladies and gentlemen, we, we got him. We already knew this. This was the largest test group for this. Because they did not know. It's the reason why they got to give out boosters. I saw an article the other day about a fourth shot. So can 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 people who keep calling me crazy that this thing is going to be start just issuing out forever and ever and ever? You're always gonna, always going to get some kind of booster because the vaccine is so great that you get get a booster every six months or it's completely useless. And yeah, I saw this this amazing this somebody tried to come back at it wasn't me someone else tried to come back at me on come back at someone on Twitter. And with the 
so, so, so with the vaccine schedule for for uh, children whenever they're born, I think it's like between the ages of zero and four, that some shots do require boosters. Yes, no one's denying that boosters exist for, for vaccines. But whenever you show that the antibodies and the protection level goes down to basically zero after six months, we don't apply to any of the vaccine. There's a reason why, and some are developed to have boosters. The, it seems that these boosters are just coming out of nowhere. They're pulling it out of someone's butt because, well, people are, are catching this thing again. They're having to change the definition of what fully vaccinated means because people are showing up in the hospital fully vaccinated with this virus, which means it's not working as it was advertised. People were sold a bill of goods on the basis of a lie or on the basis of ignorance that they didn't know what this thing was going to do six months out. I'm not down that rabbit hole of it's going to kill you or whatever. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the protection that is that is given to you, which you can see initially as from these countries, there is protection that is given, but it wavers and it goes away after a certain time. It's the reason why we're seeing these fourth shots coming out. We're seeing people who are fully vaccinated who are getting sick again with it. It is happening. And for people that are saying, well, boosters are common, yes. But do you do, but do you take a polio vaccine every six months because the antibodies go away? No, you don't. You don't take your smallpox vaccine for six months. You don't take your you take the flu vaccine because it because it's garbage usually most years and doesn't work very well. It's not my opinion. That's the data that's on the flu vaccine. It's usually crap most years. It doesn't work as well. But no, find me a vaccine that's actually effective that you take every six months and it's completely normalized. Find me one. Now, I'll be happy to, to retract what I'm saying right now. You can't. At least, in, at least in the first world United States, you're not doing that. Meningitis, all, polio, all of these vaccines that are given to kids, yes, they're on a schedule. But after they reach the schedule end, that's it. They're done. With this, who knows? Maybe there'll be a fifth. I, I bet you before the end of the year, we're going to see a fifth vaccination for some people. Then what? Will, will, will folks finally admit that we were right on this? I'm not holding my breath on that. I'm really, really not. But now we're, but now we're shooting kids up with this. Who have no real chance of having any issues with it. And then you got... Um, you have more and more high-profile people saying no to this. As we mentioned, Kyrie Irving, Joe, a few episodes ago. Now we got Ice Cube. Um, those who know who Ice Cube, pretty big... Pretty big rapper, you know, was a part of um, NWA. Just, just a little rap group. Now he's turned actor. Turned down an, a, a movie deal with Jack Black. Walked away for $9 million because he refused to get vaccinated. Dude, bravo. I'm being serious. Look, I missed a concert last night because they... It was supposed to just be, you know... It was supposed to be at the Tabernacle in Atlanta. I was supposed to go. I was really excited about it. And then I get an email, like, all year... I've checked the website every few weeks just to make sure the policy stays the same. The only policy they had is we recommend you wear a mask and we recommend social distancing, which for a standing room only concert, good luck with that because that's not, that's not going to happen. 
But that's all they said. They just said, hey, we encourage people to wear a mask and that's it. Well, I get an email before I go to the concert and it says that you have to prove negative test of COVID or you have to have a sorry, a negative test of COVID or be fully vaccinated and you got to wear a mask the whole time. And I'm like, no, I'm not going. I'm done. I couldn't give I could not get my, my my money back. I couldn't sell my tickets. I did not go. Because I'm not going to stand at a rock concert with a freaking muzzle over my face after showing documentation for going into a concert. I'm, I'm done with it. I haven't had to use my little, my, uh, my um, not forged, but my conveniently um, found negative test to, to COVID. But I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. I'm to the point now where it has been long, we're, we're done. I'm so beyond over it that at the it's coming to the point now where if you make me do either mask or you make me do prove negative test i'm not i'm not gonna go like like this is a concert in may that's coming up already bought tickets for it today very excited about it and so i'll I'll talk about at the end of the show i have talk about some albums that come came out one of their albums came out really excited about going if they have a testing in it may of 2022 i'm not going to go I'm not going to prove that I don't carry a virus that is at no threat of anybody at that show I'm going to. I'm not, I'm not going to prove that I've had a, a, a inoculation, not doing it, to go to a freaking concert. And I'm not wearing a muzzle either on my face. Kudos to Ice Cube. I mean, he's getting ratioed out of the heck, but these people are like, oh, I saw one tweet. He's like, he's, he turned away $9 million because he's afraid of needles. What a waste. Look. That man, that man makes more money every single day than you've made probably all year. So it's not the money for him. It's the principle. It's the principle of the matter that I'm not going to have someone dictate whether I'm going to work or not based on a medical status. It's about control. It's about coercion. It always has been about that. And the faster that people begin to realize it, the faster that we can move on from this. The faster we can say no. The people protesting, going out there in the streets, Godspeed to all of you because you're the ones out there who are going to make the change. And it's the truck drivers who are saying, no, I'm not going to haul anymore. And it's the nurses, the firefighters who are willing to walk away from their jobs and say no. And if you can't, look, I had a debate with Joe about this. Some people can't do it it's a matter of them eating or not i understand but if people can i i I champion it on i understand that everyone cannot and i'm not going to sit there and say oh well you're part of the problem because because you wouldn't walk away and risk your five kids to starve to death no i'm not saying that but i'm saying that people who do are the ones who are going to help push us forward with this and get us further away from this medical tyranny that is slowly creeping in on us. Because we are steamrolling towards that future where we see it in already some states. You can't you cannot you can't go buy food from someone if you if you can't prove you have a vaccination or not. 
If I would have said that in 2019 or 20, March 2020, you would have called me a conspiracy theorist. You, you, you would have. If, if, you would have, if I would have told you that you could not go and purchase a glass of soda or a burger from a restaurant in certain cities in this country without proving vaccination, you would have called me a conspiracy theorist. And now it's a reality. And for everyone out there who would have called me a conspiracy theorist, I'm not going to dunk on people. I'm not going to belittle them if you come out and say I was wrong. In fact, I'll embrace it. Because the issue, though, is that people aren't coming out and saying, yeah, I was wrong. Heck, I've done it. I've come out and said many times that I was wrong on certain things of this issue. Many, many times. I don't care. I'm not, I don't have any pride to hold on to. I just want the facts and I just want the truth on the matter. But so many people have put up their guard and said, oh, well, you know, the vaccine's changed. And, and you know, there was always the possibility of having to prove no. None of that was ever happening. Just come out and admit it. Just come out and admit it, and maybe we'll see more white pills. Maybe we'll see more things that are coming about. Speaking of white pills, I'm, I'm going to try to do this, this a thing every single Friday episode when Joe's not here that is the white pill of the week. And I'm trying to find something positive to, to point out on Twitter. And I'm trying to, maybe on Twitter, maybe on just something different. But just something that's positive, uplifting, that for people out there who... Um, I'm trying, so I'm trying to channel some of that Michael Malice energy of just positivity and saying, Hey, we're going to win. It's, it's, it's all going to be okay. As glim and as horrible as the world looks sometimes, we're going to be okay. I I got a tweet here that Steven Crowder put out. Now I'm not like, I used to be a really big fan of Steven Crowder. I find him now to be kind of, I wouldn't say boring, but I, I, I find a lot of the conservative um, other than Glenn Beck, who I really think is honestly searching and honestly looking for different opinions, it's not just conservatism, even though I'd probably consider him a conservative. He's not one of these lazy ones like the Ben Shapiro's of the world, who conservative for Ben Shapiro is pretty light. The guy's kind of a bloodthirsty neocon, but nevertheless, people who have dedicated themselves to just pwning college students, wow, yeah. You found a liberal arts major and schooled him on, you know, a public policy. Congratulations. That's not very difficult. I could do that. I can prepare a speech and I can pwn people on front of a stage. It's not, it, it's not an impressive feat. The Charlie Kirks of the world. I don't hate these people. I'm just saying that they, that I find them boring when you compare them to people like Dave Smith, like Eric July, like Michael Malice. They're just boring to me. Because those guys actually go after the tough guys, the Scott Hortons who, who debated Bill Crystal. I'd love to see another one of these neocons. Well, that's the thing. Bill Crystal and Ben Shapiro would largely agree. So they could see Scott Horton debate Ben Shapiro. That'd be pretty funny to watch. Watch the Hebrew Hammer get absolutely dismantled by the punk rocker from uh, from uh, California. But nevertheless, so this is a tweet from Steven Crowder that came out. And for someone who's a long-standing conservative like himself, it was kind of a um, it was kind of a message that the libertarians and the um, anarchists of the world have been really, really pushing for. And to finally see mainstream conservatism taking hold of this 
is a major white pill. It says, Stephen Crowder writes, time to start pulling your kids from public schools. Man, that's, a, that's what we've been saying for I don't know how long. The libertarians of the world, the ones who are really, who understand where the, where the issue is coming from. It's, it's amazing. I use, I use this, this analogy a lot. and I got, It's not originally mine. It's really coming from, from Tom Woods, who's another one of those guys who would absolutely destroy. I know that there's been proposed debates between uh, Tom Woods and uh, Mark Levin, which would be a glorious to watch that demolishment happen. But Tom Woods has always said that if we had the schooling system, hypothetically, that was ran by Walmart or just some other big company, some other big tech company or uh, just industry, whatever. If they were in charge of, of educating the entire population of, of an entire nation and many, many generations down the line, we found that these kids were a little more sympathetic or a little bit more um, so liking to the overlords of the people that run the schools. If we had every single CEO of Walmart on display and you had an entire class to learn about the history and how the operations of Walmart went, all the great things that Walmart does. And well, you know, if you didn't go shop at Walmart or you, you didn't give to the revenue, you wouldn't understand the great things they offer people. And you had all of this indoctrination and all this propaganda stated towards Walmart. And then you come out and you say, hey, people are willing are are now willing to go out and die and willing to send their sons and daughters to go die for this corporation. You're like, wow, that's crazy. How, how, why would that ever, why would that ever happen? I don't understand. Maybe it's because the same thing's happening right now with the U.S. government. The fact that, you know, governments run all these schools and we have presidents or CEOs of the, com- the government on the wall, and there's, there are these reverend servants of society, and these great men who did all these great things for the country. They saved us. All this propaganda about the, the government of the United States and the presidency of the United States, all that. And you had chapters about all the great history, all the great things the government's done over the course of the, of the generations, and how it's this uh, immense, intense pride in America and we stand for the national anthem at a baseball game and put our hand over our heart and we cry whenever the national anthem when God bless America is saying and then we wonder why are kids willing to go and die in a, the sands of the Middle East for nothing is it for pride of, of America why is it why do I get in debates with complete idiots on Twitter about how Early childhood education is the most important investment in America, right? Pre-K. Talking about before you learn your one, two, threes and your ABCs, that's the most important investment into America and that's, that is worthy of robbing people at gunpoint? Really? That's, that's worth what taxation is for? And if somehow I'm, and if somehow I'm against funding that then I then I hate this country and I'm just greedy because I want to keep my money to myself it is funny how we've came to that point and you know where this all comes from public schools ed- education centers that's all, the, all all this comes from you stand for the national anthem and then don't you little Johnny don't you dare put your hand over the uh, your left hand over your heart that's 
That's not, that's not procedural. That's not the part of the religious ceremony of saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And yes, I call it up because it's exactly what it is. You, you can send me hate all you want. That's exactly what it is. It is, a, it is a ritual ceremony that we somehow have to hold this great, immense reverence. Now, I'm not saying that you're bad if you do it. Not at all. But just please acknowledge what it is. And I'm not against the American flag. I'm not against the Pledge of Allegiance. Maybe the Pledge of Allegiance I'm probably against because I don't pledge allegiance to any governing body or any person on earth. I pledge allegiance to one person only, and that's God Almighty above. But I digress. It all stems from public schools, and that's 100% what it stems from. And the fact that now you have mainstream conservatives who would call out for what I just said as heresy and, and being a communist... Um, who are now agreeing with me on this is a major white pill. And I think it's something to be celebrated. And I think you're seeing more and more of it now. I, I really do. I think you're seeing more. I think you're seeing more of this attitude now. Many of the people that I'm around um, in my social in my social circles are probably more conservative than than than, than libertarian, and they agree with me. They 100% agree with me, not from the standpoint of government indoctrination, but just. What part of society is 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 redeemable for kids? Like I I mentioned this in the last show, but um, I always said that I don't want my kids in public school, and I don't want my kids on social media, and I don't want my kids. Um, whenever I do have kids, I don't want them to be part of anything like that. And people younger than me are like, "Well, they're not going to fit in with society." I'm like, yeah, that's the point. <laughs> That's the big argument against homeschooling, right? Is if you homeschool your kids, you're not going to fit in with society. That's the point. And then I would say, what part of society do I want? What part of society that is redeemable and, and wants them to, to to fit in? You know, what what part of it? That's a further conversation for later. But I don't I don't want kids to conform with the norm, and I don't want them to conform with the norms of the government, and and society in general. That's the issue is we have too much conformity in society. We don't have enough radicals. Maybe one day we will get to that point. Well, that's the white pill for the week. I got um one last thing is this actually we we got we, hey folks, we got an hour out of this episode. I didn't think we were gonna get twenty minutes out of this episode. Um I do want to talk about two quick little things here at the end. This is not really politically or sports related. I um I do kind of try to do album I try. To, I, I have. A, I need to find an outlet where I can talk about music and talk about albums because it's something extremely dear to me. Twitter's not a good place for that because you'll you can't you can't extrapolate your thoughts enough on Twitter. And my Substack is really not really suited for that. So maybe I'll find someplace else to do it. But um, two albums came out last week on the twenty second that were both um, very very anticipated for me. Uh, Don Broco's Amazing Things and then Dream Theaters of You from the Top of the World came out. Um, briefly, I did post a little bit about each of them, I believe on Twitter, I'm not 100% sure, but Don Broco's album, Amazing Things, is just that, Amazing Things, uh, that's about, that was my most anticipated record of the, of the year, it, few times do I listen to a record that is both evolutionary from its previous two predecessors, and at the same time brings something completely unique and differentiating from the two like they they take a core sound that is just purely Don Broco and then 
you extrapolate that out and you're like, hey, let's take this these great concepts we have on these two albums and let's make it even better. And that's what they did on this record. Amazing all the way through. I think there's only like one or two duds, which is going to happen on every single record. Cannot recommend Amazing Things enough. Uh, it is heavy. It's groovy. The bass lines are great. The drum work is great. Robin, Rob's vocals are just... Uh, tough tough to find another vocalist who can do real low powerful little bit of screaming and then the uh, falsetto that is just spot on every single time great vocals from the drums as well simon writes some amazing riffs it, it's just it's it's so good all the way through just it's a great listen dream theater's record came out i have not had as much time with that one my initial thoughts are it sounds like a good stepping stone. To me, it sounds like a step up from D D Distance Over Time, which I really did like the sound that they brought on that record. This very heavy, um, this very heavy sounding record that sounds like it came from um, some earlier Dream Theater, like some um, Silver Linings and Black Clouds, um, that sort of sound. This is a fantastic sounding record. The instruments all sound crisp. They sound powerful. Uh, John Petrucci's playing an eight string, which is uh, ridiculous for this this album. It's so well mixed and well recorded that even for that alone, just to listen to just pure amazing sound engineering is phenomenal. As far as the music goes, they have a really cool uh, twenty minute song at the very end. It's pretty. It's very very good. I have to really dig these Dream Theater songs. Take a long time to process and break down because they're so complex and there's so much going on with the different instruments. But what I can really grasp so far is that production-wise and writing is amazing. I do feel that they have kind of this creative void they're in right now, where everything kind of sounds similar on the record. It's not a bad thing because the record does sound good, but it seems like there's a little stagnation there with it. Um, but it's still a good, still a great progressive metal record to listen to. And you're going to have, if you play any one of those instruments, you play guitar, bass, keyboards, drums, or sing, you're going to be inspired somewhere throughout the record because you are listening to the most talented band that is currently touring right now. Um, all those guys are just world. I mean, Mike Mangini has the fastest hands in the world, and he holds the record for the most the most strokes on a, on a minute or whatever on on the snare drum. So, literally the fastest drummer in the world. And of course, everyone else, John Petrucci needs no introduction, and neither does John John Mayung or a, or Jordan Rudis. So, go check out those two records and let me know what you th what you think what you think about them. Um, that's gonna be the show, everybody. Episode one nineteen. Thanks for hanging out. Thanks for talking about some non. Uh, I guess they're a politicalist with the Braves issue. Um, Braves right now tied zero zero in the bottom of the second inning. So I'm gonna go ahead and watch that. Hope you guys have a great weekend. As always, go do something amazing and awesome. I will see you guys on Monday or Tuesday with the next episode. Might be moving the show to Tuesday because it just works better for us and our schedule. But we will let you know if that changes. There will still get you two episodes a week. So that doesn't change. But as far as the day of that first episode, that might change. Just for scheduling things with us, it's way easier to do shows on Tuesday than it is on Monday right now. So we'll see what that looks like. But until then, take it easy, guys. And hope you guys have an amazing year. Peace. Rocket plane, tranquility, we copied you on the ground. You got a bunch of guys about to turn blue. We're breathing again. Thanks a lot.